Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey everybody, welcome to the Launch University Podcast. Kevin Jennings here today with Jeff Henderson. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? I'm trying to do my Australian accent. I'll be honest with you, Kev, but it's not going to work. So it's going to be it sound like a really bad Southern accent. I'm 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 going to ditto that. My wife has made it very clear to me that I'm never to do accents of any kind to anyone <laughs> in any circumstances. I want to. So hear I know you. I know it's, it's I'm, everyone's a Jamaican. <laughs> so, so that's, all you, that's all you need to know is that it's going to get really bad really fast. So uh, we have the pleasure that that lovely laugh you hear in the background is from our friend Dave Adamson, who's joining us here today. And uh, Dave, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm sure they can tell. I, I love this so already because Dave and I work a lot together on other podcast projects. We do. And he's usually the host. Yes. And I'm never asking any I'm- A moment of Mary, brought to you by Starbucks. That first peppermint mocha sip, topped with whip, fuzzy sweaters, and time together. A cup in hand with all or no plans. At Starbucks, festive is a tap away. Download the app today. No, it's so weird to be on the other feel, side. I already feel very uncomfortable. And I've interviewed <laughs> Jeff on a podcast before. It's so weird to be we're, in this position now. We're turning the tables on you, Dave. Yeah, I'm in the back seat. Well, actually, that's a, well, a really great thing because you because you are always hosting. I love people to hear how you got to that situation, right? Because you have an interesting story for those who don't know. Dave is the digital pastor of, you said digital last Social time. media, digital. You said digital, digital like a day ago. So what is it? It's kind of social media and digital. Okay. He is a social media and digital pastor for North Point Ministries. North Point Ministries, yeah. I'm, okay? I'm central. You're central. That's I'm I central. That's why I said ministries. So yeah. North Point Ministries uh, based in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, he also works with, with Jeff in that capacity. For those mm-hmm. who don't know, Jeff is the lead pastor of Gwinnett Church, um, which is also based in the Atlanta area. So we kind of have this Atlanta connection, but we also have the North Point connection with the Orange connection. Yeah. And so we thought, Dave, you're a photographer. You're yep. a published author. You are a uh, communicator and uh, broadcast. I mean, you've done broadcast journalism. You've done actual journalism as a writer. Yeah. Um, musician. You, you're a musician. Uh-huh. You're a, you had a band and traveled. You have, you're a, a father of three daughters. Yeah. And, um, and that's, you know, that's by And itself. my greatest achievement, the husband of Meg. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that you say that because I think if we asked her that question, I'm curious, I'm curious how she how she talks about that. No, but you do, you do a lot, my friend, and yeah. I th- and I think for us, this whole podcast is all about helping people turn good intentions into reality mm. and figure out ways to, to sustain that. Yeah, and um, I think that many people who who are in the situation you're in, where they say, I had this big vocational dream, maybe younger in my younger years. Yeah, I try that, succeed at it, and then I leave it. Yeah. And then I have other things, but all the while I still have found a way to follow me. But my my calling might be, yeah. while also keeping all these other passions and interests alive in a way that actually makes business sense as well. I mean, you you mean you make money doing photography, you make <laughs> money hosting, you make money doing all these things while yeah. maintaining a full time job in ministry. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's really fascinating because he has three future weddings to pay for. Exactly. So, uh, Gosh. <laughs> he has a Dave Ramsey and, envelope system. He's counting. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of money to get and really quick. colleges right. to pay for. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Why do you think about that part? Oh, that's yeah. sobering yeah. to hear, actually. <laughs> uh, so, so we just love to hear a little bit about your story and, and kind of how you got to where you are. Um, and then we would love to dig into some of the nuances of your yeah. story as well. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, in, in a nutshell, it would be this. Um, you know, I grew up uh, wanting to be a journalist from the time. I, well, actually, no. Go back a little bit further. When I was about 10 to 12, I, I wanted to be an astronomer. That's all I wanted to be. I loved looking at the night sky. 
I had a telescope. It was around the time that Halley's Comet last came, which I was alive for, which is so weird. I hope I'm alive for the next one. Um, so I wanted to be an astronomer, and then I realized you had to be really good at science and math in order to be an astronomer, and I'm terrible at both. Um, but my older sister, Jenny, she said, hey, you are such a good storyteller and writer. You should become a journalist. And literally from that moment, I was about 14 years old, I started moving towards be, becoming a journalist, and that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a sports journalist specifically. So you know, I finished uh, high school, got good grades, went into uh, college and in my first year of college I started writing for the local newspaper, uh, started writing basketball for the local team and that evolved into uh, becoming the sports editor of that paper and by the time I finished my four, it was a three year degree that took me four and a half years to finish because uh, my college was right near Bells Beach in Australia so you know, there was a lot of surfing and beach time added into that. Uh, but by the time I finished, I was the sports editor and senior reporter for this newspaper. Uh, my first year out of college, I took a job as the news editor for a, uh, a magazine. From there, I went on to start working for Australia's highest selling sports magazine. And after four, uh, no, three years of that, I became the editor of Australia's highest selling sports magazine. I was like 28 at the time. Wow. Youngest ever editor. This magazine's been going for 110 years youngest ever editor and because I was the youngest ever editor of the highest selling sports magazine uh, one of the TV networks wanted to do a story on me they came out and interviewed me the producer of that story said hey we think you'd be great on TV have you ever thought about going on TV so I said sure let's let's do it and I went and I became a sports reporter and producer for a show that was our version of ESPN Sports Center did that for seven years in my seventh year um, ESPN I got a phone call from Connecticut ESPN calling and they said, hey, we've seen your stuff and we want to fly you out to interview you for a job on SportsCenter. I flew out and um, yeah, uh, they offered me a position and my wife and I, we prayed about it for a while because it was a huge transitional move. Sure. We had three kids at this point, three you're living kids in Australia and, and living in Australia and I ended up turning it down um, on, on, for a number of reasons, but mostly because of my wife's advice. And that set me on a path, you know, it was one of those, um, those moments where I, I was at a fork in the road and I had to figure out what I wanted to do because what I realized in the couple of years before that, maybe two or three years, enough people had said that I was, a, I, I was pastoral. And so what I realized was I'm a pastor by purpose, but not by position. And that was okay with me because I never wanted to be a pastor. I had no... I had no dream or desire to go into full-time ministry. But when you know, you're know you on a certain career path and everything's going up and to the right and you reach this fork in the road where the next logical step is presented and you turn it down, you start to figure out, well, what am I actually going to be doing with my life then? And so I ended up calling up a pastor who I'd been listening to uh, on a podcast from New Jersey. Um, and I, I emailed him and said, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. I, I don't know if I'm getting called into ministry, but can you help me? And sure enough, he replied and said, here's my, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And I spoke to him for an hour. And then the next day, and then he said at the end of that, call me tomorrow, same time. So I called him. And within five minutes of that conversation starting, he said, I think I want to hire you. Have you ever thought about moving to the US? And so uh, he flew my wife and I out. And we quit. I quit my career and sold everything we had in Australia and moved to New Jersey of all places. Wow. Um, and then from there, um, you know, I did five years as a church online pastor there. And then, you know, I had some relationships with some people at North Point and um, they ultimately said, hey, there's a job going we'd love you to apply for. And one thing led to another and we moved to Atlanta. 
And how long have you been in Atlanta now? Been in Atlanta for five years now. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome. And Dave missed over the fact that he actually interviewed the greatest tennis player of all time. Yeah, Roger Federer. You got got to tell me that story real quick. Uh, So I covered, um, I want to say I covered like six Australian Opens. And so part of my role in covering those is uh, our show was was on at night. And so I would cover the night match and then... So and do a package for the night show. So I would do the the evening, that early evening match, and then I would go back to the studio and write up my report, voice it, do the whole thing, put the package together, and then I would produce the live cross that we did. So we had another reporter who was doing the live cross. And so, you know, during the Australian Open, I mean, greatest time of the year in Australia, man, it was incredible. So I would sit in on all the press conferences, and so I watched Roger Federer play, uh, um, Maria Sharapova. I mean, all the players of that sort of era, uh, in the very early 2000s, um, you know, 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, that sort of area. Wow. Um, Apparently Roger hasn't been told that that's his past era. He just keeps playing. No, he's so <laughs> good, right? So I sat in a presser with him, and, and I mean, I reckon there was probably maybe 15 reporters in the room, and so I got to ask him a couple of questions. That's awesome. I mean, such an incredible top of his game, yet super, super humble. Um, you know, some other players would come through and it was like, oh, they wouldn't give you the time of day. But Ro- I mean, Roger just was so approachable. So I'm sure he still is. He see- still comes across like that. Yeah, incredible amazing. human being, right? So you've had quite the uh, amazing career, uh, but you've had to make some significant decisions. Obviously, yeah. if, mm-hmm. if you think about decision filters, mm-hmm. uh, Meg would be obviously you know, a yeah. huge uh, source of wisdom for you. But what are some other things? Because we, we, I'm sure we have some launchers who are thinking, uh, I may want to leave this job to go to that job, yeah. or I might want to start this. What are some decision-making opportunities or filters, rather, that you've used to help you make these decisions and navigate? Yeah, obviously, you know, my wife is my number one filter, um, and if she's not if she's not feeling it or she is, then that that totally influences my thinking and and our thinking together. Um, we we typically get a pros and cons list out, and I mean that seems like the simplest thing, but literally we will rent. Uh, sorry, rent. We will we will go to a hotel for a night, and we will leave the kids at home, and we'll go away just the two of us, and we will put post-it, uh, you know those big poster board post-it notes. We'll put them all around the walls, and we will write pros and cons lists. We will write questions that we have, and we try to work through every aspect of a major major decision. And, and doing that with just the two of us is super helpful because it removes the outside world for a little bit and it doesn't allow too many people to start filtering in with opinions because sometimes I think if we, if we talk to too many people we, and get so many different opinions, it actually makes the decision harder in a lot hmm, of ways. That's good. And then I, have, I usually have a couple of trusted people who I would go to seek their advice on. Now, some of those people are, um, I don't mean it like this, but this is how I want to say it. They're on my level. Uh, you know, they're, they're peers, they're, they're friends of mine, people mm-hmm. who I've been in relationship, people who know me well, know my wiring, know my skill set and my gift set, um, figuring out those two things. Um, so they already know that. And then there's a there's a couple of people who um, I would go to from an organizational point of view as well, uh, who are, you know, more senior than I am, a little bit older than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one or two mentors who I go to as well and, and just get their advice straight up. And then I will always circle back, hey, now that a week or so has gone, have you had any new thoughts to that? Um, so they're typically the main things that I would do. At some point, depending on what the decision is, we might even bring our kids into it because if it affects them, 
you know, our kids are, are 13, 15 and 17. So they're at that point now where they've got opinions that are valid and we want to take those into consideration. You know, when we moved from Australia to New Jersey, our kids were uh, four, five and seven. And so, you know, there wasn't really an, op- uh, an opinion that they had that was super valid to our circumstances. So we had to, we felt like we had to make that decision on our own. But now we would definitely ask our kids to, to, to have some input into what mm-hmm. they think as well. That's great. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. One of the one of the things I have appreciated about you is I think you've also done a good job of, of determining what's actually made your decision, yeah. right? I mean, I, I don't mean, I, I know some of the work you do does require you to travel, speaking, mm-hmm. um, shooting, uh, photography. Uh, your wife does a lot of, of mission trips because of her, her, her role, which also requires a lot of international travel. Yeah. But there's some things you do that I, I've seen that you just kind of say yes. Yeah. And, and so, so I'd even be curious to hear that. Like, hey, how, how do you gauge what is major? I mean, because I've, I've seen you jump on a couple projects like, hey, I'm on, I'm in. I'm going for it. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm like, man, how do you make that decision as quickly? Yeah. You know, is, is there some kind of way you decide to manage your time that you have margin for exploration? Because I see you, yeah. I mean, it, from, from NASA looking in, it's something you do a lot of that. Yeah. But you have, like I said, a role that re- that does require something of you. So I'm just yeah. curious to hear how you how you fit the time in for that. I know you're so just let me hear your thoughts there. Yeah. So um, Karen Newhoff actually has had a big influence on me in this area because uh, the way that he uh, allocates his time in his schedule is so uh, determined by the the way that God wired him. And so, for example, he knows he's super creative in the morning, so he schedules his morning differently. That changed the way that I schedule my mornings. I now get up um, usually 5 a.m. every single day, and I know I've got an hour and a half before my, my 15-year-old daughter gets up where there's no you know, there's no emails coming in, nobody's on social media, nobody's texting me. And so it's just this allocated time where I can get you know, in that hour and a half, I can usually get three or four hours work worth of my work done um, because I'm doing reports, I'm doing emails, I'm doing all that sort of thing. So that helped me. Another thing that Kerry talks about is checking his email just once a day. That for me frees up so much of my time because normally I would hear the ping or see the notification and I would want to reply straight away because I felt like it needed to. But what I've started to realize is my, my email box is like my my mailbox at home. I only check the mailbox once a day. If I'm going out there every five minutes, it seems ridiculous. So I treat my mail email box the same way. So I allocate time at the end of every day to just check and respond to emails. Now I've got notifications that go off if I get one of my superiors, one of my bosses send an email. So I know I can uh, get that email through, but that has helped. Uh, from a family point of view, locking in some regular time that I know regardless of what's going on in my world, I'm gonna have this time with Meg, I'm gonna have this time with the girls. That really helps me formulate everything because then I know if it cross any job or any opportunity that I get crosses over into those one of those times, that's when I'm gonna ask my wife for her input. So here's an example. Thursday night for us, every Thursday night is date night regardless of what's going on. So, you know, when I'm I'm, a, I'm away at the moment doing, doing the Orange Conference. I knew it would cross over into a Thursday night. That's the trigger where I know I have to ask Meg for, hey, is this going to be okay if I, if I take uh, this Thursday off? And then on Fridays, Friday night from about 6 o'clock till Friday night till about 6 o'clock Saturday, that's our family rest time, for want of a better word, where we watch, we cook dinner together, we watch a movie, 
Saturday morning we get up, we have breakfast, we hang out all day. And so if it's crossing over that time as well, th that's the threshold where I know now I have to just ask, is it going to be okay? So if it's a, if it crosses, any work crosses over Thursday, I ask Meg. If it crosses over a Friday into a Saturday, I ask Meg and the girls and make sure that it's going to be okay. Otherwise, yeah, I can say yes to pretty much everything. And David, you look at your background experience, it's a, it's a variety of different roles. Uh, it would be different from ESPN is a little bit different from digital pastor. Yeah. <laughs> but what I've discovered is when you do different things like that, there's actually learnings that you yeah. can get. Yeah. And so I think some people approach it from silos. Yeah. I think in today's world, we're just moving so fast and it's more, more fluid. Tell us a little bit about how you've learned from your ESPN role to your musician role to yeah. your social media role to yeah. being a dad. I mean, it all kind of goes together in terms yeah. of learnings. Yeah, so I think uh, I... I I would say that I have creative ADD. I, I move around a lot. I, I can jump from one thing to the next. And um, I typically pick things up pretty quick. Um, so, And I think that's because I'm a constant learner. I'm always reading. I'm always learning things. And, and so I think that's part of it. But what I did, I think when I was in my 20s, is I operated in those silos that you talked about. And the way that I would describe it now as a 46-year-old is I used to, you know when you go to the YMCA or, or the local swimming pool and they've got the, the, the lanes in? What do you call those lanes, those swim lane markers? Um, I mean, we'll, we'll call them swimming lanes. You know, the, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm in America you. you call yeah, them buoys, I'm, 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 buoys right? That's right, buoys. Yeah. Yes, buoys, sorry. buoys. Yeah, I've got to get that word in my head. So, you know, there's the lane marker buoys along. And I would go, well, I'm in photographer mode. I'm in music mode now. And, and, and when you're in those, those lanes, you're only going one particular way or doing one particular thing. And while it all is in the same swimming pool, I would silo them out like that and section every role I had out. I think when I when I hit, maybe when I hit 40, and I don't know what happens to a guy when they hit 40, but you start to realize what you can do, but you also start to realize what you can't do, and, and it becomes okay that you can't do everything. And so I think at around 40, I, all the buoys came out of the pool, and I just started to free swim around. And so what I realized was what I did at ESPN, in so many ways, a impacts what I do now from a social media point of view, from a content writing point of view. It affects what I do on my YouTube channel because, you know, there's on-camera work going on there. That works out what I do from a musician point of view because, you know, as a musician, there has to be a whole lot of prep work that goes in before I get onto, you know, onto a stage. It has to do with the perspective that I look at when I'm taking photography. All of it now so combines and, and one thing influences the other, even if it's just down to the... Uh, perspective that I'm looking at a situation in, my photography comes in. If it's down to the planning, my musician comes in. All of those things now are so, one impacts the other so many times that I just feel like all the buoys came out mm -hmm. and now I just free swim around. And that is both frustrating and super helpful. It's helpful in that I see that how one thing affects the other and how it all sort of melds into who God made Dave to be. But it can be frustrating as well because sometimes it feels like I, I want the constraint of that that lane buoy to keep me lined up. Otherwise, I, I know I can drift really quickly. Um, so what it means is I come up with a whole bunch of great ideas and I'm great at ideation. But without the buoy in place, I can get 
some drift when it comes to the execution side. So I know that it can be both a frustration, but also just such a great blessing as well. So I have to keep really on the execution side of it because otherwise I'll be in the shower and just have another great idea. And suddenly I'm swimming over on the left far right of the pool. Uh, sorry, the, the far right end of the pool when I need to be down in the far left end. Yeah, that's great. It is great. And, I'm, and I, so I think what I would love um, more than anything is for you to tell people how you can and to kind of close this thing up. I feel like you've, you've kind of given us a great tip there about how to manage ourselves when we have different interests, which most launchers do. Mm-hmm. My other question is, how do you keep the main thing the main thing? Because I feel like mm. you, like, so even if, even if I'm, even if I'm able to manage and make sure my passion doesn't explode all over my, my, the rest of my life, yeah. I still sometimes can say, I'm struggling to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. Especially if you're doing the main thing long enough where you've kind of mastered the maintenance. You know, I mean, like, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know these four or five levers to push and I could coast for months and totally. still produce at such a high level that yeah. no one's going to question Yes. Me. But, but I know, I've kind of checked out. Yeah. Like, like, oh, I mean, I'm in a season now. I, I might know. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dial it back in. It's summertime, right? School's gonna start. Kids are gonna be back in school. Yeah. Just, but I'm saying, like, but how have you, or how do you, work within yourself to keep the main thing the main thing? A lot of our listeners are, are entrepreneurs, yeah. and, we, and we celebrate that. Right. Yeah. Everyone is not called to go out on their own and build their own business. Some of us really should be serving as innovators and leaders within the organization. Yeah. So, and you do that at North Point every yeah. day. Yeah. So um, how have you, how, have, what do you do to keep the main thing, the main thing? Yeah. So I would say that it's not, pro- it's probably not natural that I do that. Sure. Uh, like I look at certain people around our organization and it's so obvious that it just comes naturally to them to keep the main thing, the main thing. Whereas for me, I've got so many plates spinning at certain points that I can have that execution drift. And mm-hmm. so suddenly the, the main thing is no longer the main thing. So I've had to, I've had to work at it and how I work at it is, is there's two main things I do. One is my calendar, um, how I manage my calendar now um, in my apps and on my computer and everything is if I've got anything to do, if anybody says, hey, can you, could you, uh, you know, could you help us with this one thing? Normally I would go, yeah, and just walk in because it's a hallway meeting. Now what I do is I schedule that in my calendar because as I schedule, even if it's just half an hour, it pushes other things down. And so at the end of the day, I have to go back through my calendar. And again, I've had to train myself to go back through my calendar and see what are the things that didn't get done. The other aspect of my calendar that I've realized is I build margin in. Uh, Because I'm a three on the Enneagram, because I'm a networker on my right path, I like to chat, I like to have talks, and and I have a lot of hallway conversations at North Point. I I mean, I just do. So I build a time into my calendar that's called margin. And then when I have those hallway conversations and Jeff says, hey, could you help, uh, could you give so-and-so a call or, or, you know, somebody, you know, Gavin might say, hey, could you send out this email and work on this for me? I, I mark that into that margin spot at that point. Like I, it's like a to-do list within that margin time. And so that might be, say it's from two o'clock till 3.30. I've got a list of things I'm gonna do in that period that are scheduled out of my calendar so nobody else can come in and fill those things in. That has helped me a lot. The other thing that I did, simple thing, I downloaded a timer app, um, f- completely free, it's just it's literally just a timer but it's got a you know it's got a when i turn my phone sideways it's got a big clock on it um and and i can set it to certain colors and so i allocate time now for certain projects so for example if i'm if i'm in my email section of my calendar and i've got to do emails i will set the 30 minute timer and i'll say all right once that goes off i'm stopping doing emails so 
that deadline, and this is probably from my media days, having a deadline is what really forces a creative person to, 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 to stay inside that lane that I was talking about earlier. And so if it's a little bit bigger project, if I have to do my expense reports, for example, which is just a thing that I hate, I literally will set a thing on my timer that is an hour. And I've got them scheduled now to a long time, short time, urgent. And, and I just pick one and I only do that project for that period of time. And once the timer goes off, I'm done. But what it does for me as a creative person, I've only got five minutes to go. I've got to get this finished. And so it puts that deadline pressure on me that I know that I seem to thrive in. Mm, so awesome. it's all technological <laughs> solutions yeah. to it. Um, but that's really just what helps me get through and make sure that the main thing stays the main thing. And I think you also need to know what your main thing is. So I've realized my main thing is dates with my wife, Friday night, Saturday mornings with my kids. That's my main thing. And so if I'm letting work bleed over into those times, then I'm missing out on my main thing. That's awesome, friend. And the, the, the deadline is a buoy for you in the pool yeah. instead of just swimming around there. Exactly. Mm. Yes. It becomes that buoy. Mm. And I need that. Yeah. You know, depending on the project. There are buoys that are good. There are buoys that are bad. Exactly. So. That's yeah. good. Well, Dave, I mean, obviously, I mean, I feel like we're scratching the surface, but I'm grateful for your friendship. Grateful for the time yeah, me too. to have you on this podcast, my friend. And um, Jeff, obviously, as well. I mean, we're both big fans of yours yes. as, as, a, oh, as a person. You guys are awesome. Um, and also as a, as a creator. And I think that um, there's so much more. So we recommend that you follow Dave. Um, Ozzy Dave A-U-S-S-I-E Dave on all platforms yeah. uh, and um, you will love his Instagram he's a fantastic photographer you'll be inspired there he has really great tweets as well I mean I, mean, I think that there are people who I mean I'll put Jeff in this bucket as well I think people who, who are really they're mindful of social media maybe not yeah. I mean frequency I'm, I'm thinking but mindful you're gonna you're you're not gonna feel like following either of these guys are gonna waste your time yeah jeff is awesome yeah, right yeah jeff is very he's a he's a, a you're a very mindful user like when you post like you thought about it, like you didn't just throw anything out there i'm aussie jeff <laughs> you know what i love about jeff's it's it's uh, this is what i love about his social media it's not about him nope at all not it's at about all. all the people around everybody him. he else. celebrates everybody, everybody else i great. love that so once again so you should follow jeff and, and, and if you go to launchuniversity.com forward slash podcast or just launchuniversity.com you will find show notes mm. to this episode where we actually will link to both uh, Mr. Jeffrey Henderson and uh, David Adamson. You know what um, I should help you with? Show notes? I'll send you some old stories that I did on TV. Oh, oh yes. that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Please, we'll put it there. <laughs> that'd can, be great. You can post, I'll put, give you links to a YouTube channel. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so please, so check out our show notes because at the end of the day, we want to make this really easy for you to access this content. So, one, subscribe to this podcast. We have fantastic people you need to know, people you've heard of, people you don't know, but either way you need to know them, who can inspire you and give you the principles, the practices you need to make your next launch your best launch. Also, uh, we want you to do is check those show notes because we have all the great summaries there for you. And the last thing, leave us a rating or review. We really want to make this podcast awesome for you and your feedback is how we make that happen. Mm -hmm. So if you'll go to launch, and that's Y-O-U, because we want you to launch yourself in this process. And so check that out and we have fantastic content for you. And before we let you go, guess what? You, you heard how fantastic easily Jeff navigated the story of his life? You know why? Because you know, and, and how fantastic Dave is with navigating the story of his life? Because they have a pitch. They've thought through what they're going to communicate because then they've thought about the value they provide to other people. Mm -hmm. So if you need a pitch for yourself as a leader, we also need a pitch for your product. And we've put the effort in to make that for you uh, with Elevator Pitch, a new product, a new course we've created um, that will help you 
figure out how to use minimum words to get maximum results. So if you go to myelevatorpitch.net, you can sign up for that course. Um, you can learn everything you need to do about that. And we want to help you secure customers, secure investors, and secure supporters because your idea matters. And um, we hope to have you here next time on the Launch University podcast. Dave, thanks again, my friend. You're a good host. Oh, hey, I, I, I've, been, I've been, I've been, I've been She's watching. crushing it. Right. I've been watching the two of you. <laughs> um, and thanks again, Jeff, for hanging out, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.